Well, I mean, maybe I got you wrong, Alex, but I see you an extremely social person. <laughs> Am I right about that? I can social, but it takes a lot from me. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm surprised. You you're, you stand on stage and tell jokes. Where I don't have to really talk with people. I just talk to them. You know. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong, but my advice was going to be in preparing for this episode. Hey, stop caring what other people think. It doesn't matter what they think. Welcome to the bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe. My name is Jason Smith, and today with me is Alex Sher. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. Good to be here with you. Today, we're going to talk about something a little less fun. The U.S. Surgeon General, that's the in the United States, outlined mm. six pillars to tackle an epidemic of loneliness in the U.S., which is believed to lead to a number of physical diseases, including pain, insomnia, depression, anxiety, shorter lifespan. In people of all ages, they may be associated with higher risks of heart disease, stroke, diabetes, addiction, thoughts of suicide, self-harm, and dementia. Just days after this came out, mm. China Youth Daily also released a study that went viral in China indicating Chinese youth suffer from shukong mm. or social phobia. You're going to have to help me with the pronunciation later. That's a pretty good one, yeah. Oh, woohoo. Given folks in the US and China are both suffering from loneliness and anxiety, let's look at this modern issue causing our human disconnection and what we can do to mend the social fabric of our collective lives. So how do you pronounce that? Shukong. Shukong. It's a shorter way of saying which is quite literally social phobia, like you're scared to socialize with people. So you sound like you've heard about this before. Of course, it's a very commonly used term. Oh, so what does it mean in the Chinese context? The true meaning of this term, which is 社交恐惧, like, you know, social phobia or our fear of socializing, initially, of course, means kind of more of a sociological tendency of people who do get nervous or they feel exhausting and they feel the reluctance to socialize with people that they don't know or, you know, kind of being mm. very active in a social scenario. Nowadays, people have used it, started to use it in a much more relaxed manner. A lot of people are saying, Today, I am shukong. Like, just today, I don't want to talk to people. Or today, I don't want to, like, I could hang out with my friends, but I don't want to meet my friends' friends who I don't really know because that takes energy away from me. So the, the word shukong has, of course, been kind of, it became a lighter way of saying this mental status when you just don't want to bother with people that you don't know. Or, you know, if you are being introduced to a new group or new environment, and a lot of people will say in that scenario, saying, I'm shokong, like I'm not trying to be cold or distant. I'm just struggling a little bit with socializing. Well, I mean, maybe I got you wrong, Alex, but I see you an extremely social person. <laughs> Am I right about that? I can social, but it takes a lot from me. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm surprised. You 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 stand on stage and tell jokes. Where I don't have to really talk with people. I just talk to them. You know. <laughs> like, wow. but you know, I mean, I think the number one phobia in the world is fear of speaking to an audience. It's probably one of the biggest phobias. But I guess that's just I look at them and they don't have to talk back to me, and hmm. I'm okay with outputting. But it has to be something that I think it makes a lot of difference that the jokes that I tell were written by me. So it's my thoughts. But if I have to 
follow a pattern, you know, behave in a certain way. Um, for example, <laughs> at a networking event where I have to go up and introduce uh, either myself or whoever I'm trying to introduce and then, you know, ask about their life that I don't really care about. That becomes, you know, that's, it's the, that's the thing. But there are people who are who get really, they get energy from that yeah. kind of interaction. Yeah, you know, I used to be one of those kinds of people. Well, I don't want to talk about myself so much. Let's go to this article. This is from the South China Morning Post, which has a paywall. So uh, I, if you're out there and you want me to have <laughs> access to the South China Morning Post, please send me a free subscription. Hey, if you're listening South China Morning Post, Jason Smith needs a free subscription. We'll talk yes. about you more on the air. By the way, okay. More than half of those interviewed by a newspaper said that they found socializing, whether online or offline, and I find that really shocking, difficult. Mm. And it also says more than 60% of young people in China find it difficult to socialize with mm. others. So that's, I think, more than I feel Shukong or Shukong yeah. today. I think it's a lot of people, especially youth apparently, are having a very challenging time communicating with others and not feeling dreadfully uncomfortable. Mm. And I'm wondering, is this just a regular youth phenomenon? Because when I was 18 or 19, I felt a little anxiety about hanging out, but now I don't even care. Like it yeah. doesn't even matter. The president of, you know, any country could be sitting there and I would still just be chill. So I'm mm. thinking, <laughs> is this a youth issue? Is this a global problem? Or is there some kind of specific reason that this is popping up on the radar right now? Like a bigger social reason. I've always felt like this is an internet problem. This is an information overload problem, I would like to think. Because, mm. I mean, looking back at my childhood, I never felt like I was anxious at all with whatever that was going on in my life. I only started to feel this basically after college, after I got into college and, you know, mm. now that everything's online and you're doing all, like everything is online. And the kind of reluctance to talk to people it happened to me in my like early adulthood it didn't happen in my childhood but i imagine kids that are a little younger than than me and jason mm -hmm. they grew up the same time that we became teenagers i became a teenager and there was just too much information around them and you know that was probably it's interesting because i had a different hypothesis mm. my hypothesis was that these young people Maybe partially because they've been trapped indoors a little bit, a few months at a time here and there for the last couple of years. Maybe they're just terrified that, of being judged by other people. And so I would, maybe I'm wrong, but my advice was going to be in preparing for this episode, hey, stop caring what other people think. It doesn't matter what they think. But am I totally wrong, Alex? Not at all. I think it's really important for people to, especially young kids nowadays, to learn that. When, when we were young, I think, Jason, even though there's some age gap between us, I think it's still mm. very similar. When we were kids, when we were, you know, in our childhood, our front circle is the couple of kids that live on the same block, right? Yeah. That's the only people that you see that you care about. And because you're playing with each other every day, you're not going to... Yeah, if you're listening, Ryan Brumba, I still remember that. <laughs> you rode my bicycle that one time and crashed it. Oh, I hope they're listening <laughs> and I hope they write to us eventually. Uh, so we can talk about all of the embarrassing childhood stories for Jason. But, you know, when we were kids, that's basically our circle. That's our world, yeah, right? right? Nowadays, kids are going online, they're reading, they're posting, and they are almost all involved in some sorts of fandom, whether it's game, whether it's celebrities, whether it's anything meta. And these all 
exist in the form of groups which involves a lot of people. Mm. So they feel like mm-hmm. what whoever they are, they put themselves in the context of like 80,000 people in China or like 20 million people around the world who like Blackpink. And then in that 20 million people, then you're dealing with 20 million people mm. versus us dealing with five. So I don't think the maturity of your you know your psychological maturity has advanced so much that when you're 13 you know exactly how to handle everything in your life and you just naturally know how to not care about what other people think about you so i think that's one source of the anxiety that a lot of young kids have today they're just dealing with way too much that they're not ready for that kind of information yet at their age oh yeah listening to The Bridge. Well, I mean, if you are listening and you do have social phobia, my feeling is just know that you're awesome and that you can just be however you want to be. If people think, oh, that's weird, just that person, they suck. Okay, next thing. So this is what I find really surprising. China Youth Daily interviewed 2,000 people and 20% of those 2,000 people. So I guess that's what? 20% of 2,000. That's, that's 400, 400 people. Yeah. So 400 people said that they didn't just have a problem socializing in person, but online as well. This surprised me because, yeah, sure. I, I always imagine a lot of mom's basement people in America <laughs> are like, oh, I don't I can't get along with people out in the real world. And then they go online and they're like, ha ha ha, yeah. I'm here. Right. But I, I'm not right. Mm. That's not true. This this depiction is inaccurate. The people who are nervous in the real world oftentimes go home and go on their computer and they're nervous in front of their computer, too. Mm. That's very surprising to me because I anticipated it would not be like that. And so my being very wrong about that makes me a little concerned that there are a lot of people that maybe they need a friend. They need they need a friend. <laughs> I wonder this, uh, like the exact kind of questions the kids mm. are being asked um, in the survey, because I was just thinking about this and reading for today's topic. I don't know if you do this too, Jason. There are people that you have on your WeChat and you know exactly who they are. They know exactly who you are. And you've run into each other quite a few times in real life. And every time you have a very, very quick on the surface conversation about, oh, you, you're, you're back. Oh, yeah, I went traveling. Oh, where did you go? I went to 65 different places. Oh, that's amazing. And that's a conversation that stops. Where, you know, it just stops there. And when that conversation gets migrated mm. onto WeChat, it just dreads you to reply. Does that happen to you? Like, I would just, just mm. I just don't know when to reply or what to reply. And I just I put think it off. I'm an aberration because I spent my 30s like being one of the most social people around. Mm-hmm. And I was actively like trying to keep my social circle big. And every night I would go out and hang out with 10 or 20 people. Wow. I got sad if only eight people showed up. So I was constantly <laughs> calling more people and making new friends to keep them coming to make sure that my group of people that I hung out with was large. And so it's hard for me to imagine that. Yeah. I got eventually I got burnout about two or three years ago and I was just like, eh. Whatever. Yeah. But I still love being around people. I Honestly, I just don't have time or the energy anymore. Yeah. When I communicate, I have a lot of people who I just send jokes to that I haven't seen in 10 years. Uh-huh. But like, there's like 20 of them that I send j- stupid jokes to. We all have different conversations going on. If I run into someone, I usually 
do want to talk to them. I'm usually just so busy. I don't have time to do it Yeah, because of this show. I've met nonstop series of awesome people like um, mm. Mark Levine. He's been in China for 20 years. David Ferguson. He's a writer. Uh, I've met Eric Solheim, uh, undersecretary of the United Nations. I just keep meeting the, all these really cool people. And honestly, many of them live here in Beijing and I want to go see them like every weekend and be like, this person's my best friend, but I have so many mm. people now that I wish I could hang out with and I have no time. Yeah, I even with my very limited friends, like close friend, immediate friend circle, mm. I don't have enough time to see them. Yeah, it's mm. sad. A little bit. When you're Alex Schur and you have slash culture and you're doing like six jobs or whatever it is, there's a very <laughs> little Alex to go around, right? You know, we have this uh, we have this friend, Lily and Paul, who have been hosting barbecues or just gatherings at their place because they have an amazing place. And every time they, they've done it twice and both times we were either out of town or we already had previous engagements, so we couldn't make it. And so it got to the point where they're like, how come Alex and Dalton never come over to our house? Is it because they don't like us? We're like, no, it's just really because it's hard for us to. You've been barbecuing all wrong. (laughs) It's hard for us to, to, uh, you know, kind of to just move things around. Mm. But also like to be very, very honest, because their barbecue parties are also pretty big. And I I think deep down, I know that there is a lot of people there that I I won't know. Mm. So I'm a little, you know. Deep down somewhere in my heart, it says like, maybe I'm not going to try as hard to, you know, get everything out of my way to make that barbecue. It'll be different, for example, if my our other friend wants to just hang out with us, um, where I know that I will, like everybody that's going to go, I already know them very well. And it makes me feel very comfortable. Like I know I'm not going there to mm. work almost. Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, I've gotten a lot more selfish, you know, just like I learned that saying no is okay. And so I like to go to bed early. Yeah. So like eight, eight. So if I'm going <laughs> out to hang out with people, like I came to your birthday, staying up till nine or yeah. nine 30 is, was challenging because like I get up at five now. Wow. So I love people. I love spending time with people, but I'm also just incredibly like devoted to all the, the stuff I have going on. And at some point I realized if I want to get all these goals that I set for myself accomplished, I had to just be a little more of a jerk. And so I do, you know, I'm one of those people who also, when I was young, I relate to these people from the statistics that we're reading about. And I had a challenging time uh, feeling uh, like I was part of the group. Mm. So oftentimes when I am being a social person. I am in a social space. I usually like to notice the people that look like they're alone and deliberately go and hang out with them. Mm. So I relate to those people because I feel like I understand how they feel. They want to be part of the group, but they don't know what to say. And since we have this skill, Alex, you and me, of just asking questions from being on the show, right? Yeah. Like I can just walk over there and say, hey, where are you from? Oh, wow, that's cool. You know, what? what is it like there? Oh, why did you move? <laughs> so people love more than anything talking about themselves. So if you can just ask people nonstop questions, they feel like suddenly you're their best friend. Exactly. Well, they should reciprocate, but most of the people that I'm talking about don't know how. These people who are scared 
because they don't know how it's because they often limes lack the social etiquette of understanding that they need to reciprocate. Yeah, but you then you have to reciprocate, you know? <laughs> how do I talk to people? Well, we're telling you, we're telling you. Number one, don't care what other people think. Number two, ask about the other person. You're gonna make them feel special and they're gonna wanna talk to you. That's why they're standing there alone in the first place. So that's where That's right. Yeah. Oh, you're from Modesto? I've never heard of Modesto. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. like, oh, you work for this company. Oh, how do I do this? I'm like, I don't know. Goodness. I don't know what to tell you. So yeah, meeting yeah. strangers can be very challenging. A little bit highlighted mm-hmm. from the article. And it, this is uh, one of the people that was um, interviewed, Ren Wen, a postgraduate student in Beijing, said, I will shun the activities with a large group of participants, such as team building, because there are too many people. I'm not familiar with most of them. And this kind of interaction costs me a lot of mental effort. I want to continue. I don't see any challenge when communicating Mm. online, but I don't know what to say when getting together with people offline. So for this person, you mentioned earlier, Alex, some people, they're charged by social events. Mm. If you don't let this person, you know, certain people go to a social event, they will be down. They'll be like, oh, I don't get, I haven't had to talk to a lot yeah. of people in a long time. And these people, like Ren Wen from this mm. article, are the exact opposite. They're charged from no people. Yeah. <laughs> and going to spend a lot of time with people is the opposite. It drains them. Yes. That's, um, I don't know if you've done that, uh, the whole, what do you call it, the 16 personality thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And then that's why a lot of people were really surprised when I told them that my result was an I um, as an introvert. And they're like, oh, there's no way you're an introvert. Da, 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 da. Yeah, surprises like, me too, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that introvert. It doesn't mean that uh, you are bad at interacting with people mm. or you can't be lively. You can't be like bubbly in a social event. It means that basically that's exactly what we're saying here. Like, mm. for example, Jason and Alex can both be very sociable in at parties or in whatever occasions. They're both very good at making conversations, making other people feel comfortable and making them feel like they're curious about who they are and make the parties feel lively. Okay. The difference is when Alex and Jason go back to their own places, Jason sits down and Jason thinks, wow, what a great event. I got to talk to so many people. And he keeps, you know, kind of thinking about uh, all the highlight moments where he felt like he learned a lot about this person. Where Alex goes back to her place, Alex sits down on her couch and just grabs a cold soda and just drink it and thinks, oh, my God, I'm so glad it's over. (laughs) So in that case, even though both are very outgoing Alex would be an introvert because what she needs after an event like that is to not think about it and be by herself, do something alone or just in her own quietness and recharge where Jason actually wow. feels energized and he feels like he got a lot from that situation. It's not even I mean, I think you're right. Your definition makes sense. And I think the listeners, you should take away exactly what Alex says. I would like to add to that. Yeah. Not only do I go to a, like a big party and I but you'll notice that you go to like a party and there'll be like seven, let's just say hypothetically, there's seven little pools of people at the party. Mm. So there's the pool, there's the pool of people outside, you know, smoking presumably. And there's a pool of people by the sofa and there's a pool of people around the drinking area. And there's a pool Mm. of people in the kitchen. Let's just imagine there are seven pools. When I'm in one pool, I feel left out because I'm, I don't get to be in all seven pools. So Mm. I'm one of those people. I'm also jumping between pools of people as regularly as possible to try to stay 
as close to everyone who's engaged in every conversation at the same time. Yeah, you know how this is a funny thing. You know how like when you're you have to break away from a conversation at a party because you want to talk to other people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to do that really fake TV show thing, and I'll because also it's my second language, you know. So I know I'm doing something with a very clear purpose. I will say, mm. "Oh, I'm sorry, I do have to step away for a second, but I'll be right back." And I know that I won't be coming back. You know, this is oh. the end of the conversation. <laughs> so, and then Alex jumps off of the balcony and finds a new. It's like finds a car. Yeah. <laughs> Like like Wonder Woman or whoever, like Catwoman. It's like you have to do these acting bits throughout the whole night, even though you're very good mm. at it. It's exhausting. Well, well, OK. So I guess I think your definition for introversion and extroversion is accurate. I, th- I imagine, mm. though, there are a lot of people that lack that are afraid, like these people from the sample who are actually extroverts, but don't know how to be it yet. Mm. So what I would like to say to our younger listeners, whether they be in the United States or Pakistan or China or wherever, is give it time, you know, make more friends, get out there, Mm. join a club, join a group, you know, like find a book club, find a hiking club and just make force yourself to make friends. You and you know, and when you get out there and you realize everyone else is just as weird as you are in their own way, he'll be okay with it eventually. You're listening to The Bridge. I want to talk about the United States a little bit more. So this is from CNN. This is May 2nd, and it is Surgeon General lays out framework to tackle loneliness and, quote, mend the social fabric of our nation, end quote. So this is a huge problem in the United States. And the thing about China is it's relatively safe. So you may have loners who don't go out, but they just are stay loners who don't go out or eventually learn social skills. But in the United States, you get a lot of people who lash out violently sometimes. And mm. so it's actually a, yeah. not just a mental health issue for individuals, but it's actually a social health issue, a civilizational issue, and it's something the United States, we need to address. So this is from the article, U.S. Surgeon General mm. Dr. Vivek Murthy released an advisory addressing the epidemic of loneliness and isolation. And below it said, research has shown that loneliness and isolation are linked to sleep problems, inflammation, and mm. immune changes, uh, pain, insomnia, anxiety, etc. So these are very serious problems. And mm. we as Americans, America needs to overcome these issues, not just because of the individual, which is a deep concern. We don't want anyone doing committing self-harm or, or getting so much anxiety that they have a heart attack or a stroke. But there are huge issues for family, for community, for the nation of the United States. So he – the Surgeon General offers six of course. frameworks that he calls – pillars. The first is strengthening social infrastructure and communities, like boosting volunteer organizations, Mm. religious groups, uh, public transit, education, physical elements like libraries and green spaces. So this is the first pillar. Mm. And this is something that occurs to me right away. If you're in this role, you're in America or anywhere, you know, you're in Kazakhstan, like go to the library. You can meet people there. Go to a cafe. You can meet people there. Join a volunteer organization. Mm. Say you like a particular style of like helping the homeless. That's your thing. Mm. Maybe you get to help the homeless, which is fulfilling, but you also get to meet other people who like helping the homeless. How awesome is that? Now you have people you have something in common with. You like swimming. 
you join a swimming club. Guess what? Everyone there likes swimming. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's a great way to meet people. Well, yeah, right? only if like this is, goes into a circle, only if you're enjoying meeting people. Because like we said, the word shokong or people who actually have problems because shokong itself is, uh, mm. I think mm. the full name is social anxiety disorder it's actually kind of a psychological mm. um illness you don't want to socialize so it's a deeper problem yeah like it's not just you don't want to it's not like oh i'm tired i don't want to deal with this it's like you actually get anxiety if you have to socialize with people like you actually have reactions and stuff and of course now that term is kind of normalized and used in a much casual way but that in turn also probably says that a lot of people are relating to this kind of feelings right and so for example like if, if someone just shy or introvert then perhaps they just prefer to work by mm. themselves or work in a quieter environment or work alone but if they do meet people like you said if they for example mm. if they join let's say a book club even though most of the time it's spent on reading or, or, or writing whatever to share mm -hmm. when they do get together even though this person doesn't talk too much deep down he or she still enjoys the fact that he's communicating and exchanging ideas mm. with other people part of that yeah but if you are actually someone who's suffering from social anxiety disorder then you actually will like going to the club actually makes you feel if someone forces you to go to a club it actually makes you feel a lot more anxious sick well, perhaps the solution might be doing something that's social seldom and in small bits. Mm. So one thing that I was introduced to by one of my math professors in college was going and playing chess with retirees. Mm. So we would sh take chess boards, show up at a retirement home, and ask if there are people that play chess there. The answer is always yes. Mm. So then you go and you find an old person. Mm. And you just sit there and play chess. You don't even have to talk Ooh. much. You know, you could almost not talk. You just play chess with that person. Mm. It doesn't have to be chess. It could be anything, cards, whatever. And so maybe you're spending a little bit of time once a month, once every couple of weeks with another human being, mm. but you're not really engaged with them, like talking about politics or your life or something. You're just playing a game. Mm. So maybe it's maybe for these people who have these anxiety, we, a recommendation for them would be to take tiny little steps towards just making uh, small bits of human connectivity with someone. Exactly. I was reading this article on CCTV and it's saying, of course, when we talk about shoko or social phobia, there's people, there are people that are actually kind of, you know, they need treatment, they need professional help, right? Mm -hmm. Therapy or Therapy. whatever yeah. interference. There are also other people yeah, Counseling. there are also other people who are experiencing mild symptoms. It's how like how a lot of kids in China like to say, oh, my God, I'm so depressed. But, you know, it's just, you know, a, a, a phase that'll certainly pass or it's just because they're reacting to some events that that wasn't satisfactory or it was a little gloomy. You're not actually mm -hmm. suffering from like, you know, clinical depression. So there's always these two, you know, that's the spectrum of everything we're talking about. And in this article, they're saying if you're getting to a point where, for example, you have found yourself to be unable to meet anyone, like you can't even leave your house, like just seeing a person that's beside yourself or your immediate family is giving you so much anxiety, so much pressure and physical discomfort, and you could only stay in to, in your house uh, to just be by yourself, then that's probably a good sign that you need to seek professional help. And then if you are in that stage. But I wanted to say in those cases, probably that person is unlikely to seek out help. So in this case, it might be a family member, a sister or brother who may need to encourage them yeah. 
to get help. Yeah, definitely. And I hope we want you all to listen to our show um, or other shows like this where you can at least have this idea in your mind that if this is what you're feeling, you still have that power in your hands to seek help. Like you're not just wrong or the world is not done. You can still seek help, right? And then usually people who are having these severe symptoms um, of social anxiety disorder, this is a like your childhood trauma that's being shown in different formats when you're an adult. So like that's why we say you need to go seek professional therapeutic help. But if it's just like other people who are like, oh my God, you know, like, don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to strangers. But deep down, you still want to be in social scenarios. You still want to have uh, go to events and have people have friends. Then just force yourself to go do something that you're a little scared of. Once you have one positive experience, then that kind of phobia will probably go away. Well, I had another idea. Not about the person who can't leave their home, mm. but about my previous recommendation was to go and make a friend by like volunteering to play chess. But actually, there's another solution that's in between that. Go to the library and don't make any friends. Mm. Instead of reading at home, read in the library. Mm. Maybe you don't talk to anyone, but at least you're around other people, which is kind of a tiny step too. I want to read the second pillar because I don't understand it. And I was hoping we could figure out what it means. So this is the entire pillar from the article by CNN. The second pillar calls for pro-connection public policies. Governments and institutions are urged to adopt an approach that recognizes that policies can benefit or hinder connection and that every sector of society is relevant to social connection. Policymakers should focus on reducing disparities in connection. And honestly, I have no idea what this means. Mm. So what do you think a pro-connection public policy <laughs> would be? Um, uh, go ahead. I, I mean, I was going to say uh, not bulldozing the library. <laughs> like, I well, I'd like to say that Jason and I were not, you know, psychology professionals. And these are just our personal readings or our personal. Right. That's, of course, it doesn't. If you need therapy, stop listening to Alex right away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Always seek help, seek therapy or, or find professional help. But for me, it's like there are so many different kinds of methods or, or these kind of uh, treatments that you can just find online. Quite honestly, I think any of these treatment would work because the most important step is that you push yourself to go online to search for anything that could be a solution for a problem. Well, actually, I think you just answered the question. Mm. Um, I'm not going to say whom, uh, but I know a person who very much needed serious therapy, not for this reason, but for other issues. Mm. And they went online and were able to meet up with a community where there was counseling that was free, provided mm. by the county. And they were able to see a counselor weekly for about six months until they mostly were had adjusted their uh, mentality up about life. Mm. So in fact, maybe pro-connection public policies are in the United States and in, in some counties and some states and some towns, mm. there is counseling. You know, everyone watches the movie and they think a, a psychiatrist would cost $150 an hour. Sometimes you get counseling for very for cheap or free. Yeah. Yeah. So if maybe there are people who you can talk to who might help. Oh, yeah. listening to the bridge third pillar yeah. relies on the crucial role of 
public mental health care delivery systems to address mm. social connection. So they call for increased investment in educating healthcare providers about the physical and mental benefits of social connectivity. Mm. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but there's very little we can do about that on this show. Yes. If you're in America, I guess vote for people who are pro mental health. Yes, exactly. And then just encourage people like we probably can't bring in any healthcare uh, personnel to help with stuff, but encourage people around you to speak up. And then if they do speak to you about their problems, if you know resources, send the resources to them. Yeah. If, yeah, that's right. If you know resources, make those resources yeah. available. The fourth pillar, reforming digital environments, Murthy singles out tangible impact of technology on Americans' daily lives and connections. So technology can also distract us and occupy our mental bandwidth, which makes us feel worse about ourselves and our relationships. So I guess he's talking about Instagram <laughs> because that's what I'm thinking. You see, okay, right? Mm. I, I was in Senya. So all I did was post nonstop videos of me like on a yacht in Senya. So if you're watching that, you think, well, Jason's life is so great. Yeah. Why is my life so terrible? The reality is we went yachting one day and the rest of the time we just sat in the hotel. Exactly. Exactly. People are looking at what's available to them without thinking about the fact that every piece of information those are highlights yes, is curated when things are curated it means there is a guiding principle behind it that everything that doesn't fit into that guiding principle is left on the cutting room floor you guys also have to think about the fact that that's the best it will got for that person if there was any better <laughs> you'd be seeing it so if that's all you're seeing you're like well that's as good as their life is because you're seeing the highlights of their life. So everything else is just, you know, sitting on the couch watching TV. Yeah. The and then the worst thing about the Internet is uh, or TikTok or any other social platform, social media platform, is the fact that you're not just looking at one person's highlights. You're looking at 25 or yeah, 200 yeah. people's highlights and you're comparing to your one person's life on a regular right. day. And if that becomes what you value the most, then you're going to feel not so good on a very regular basis. So try not to do yeah. that. Yeah, I, I feel bad now about going on that yacht. You know, I, we got a discount. It was like 300 RMB. <laughs> it was like 300 RMB. It was like so 40 or 50 bucks to go yachting. And then we would make a big deal out of it, make all these videos like, woohoo, we're on a yacht. Yeah. But honestly, yeah, we were just hot and it was sunny and then we couldn't wait to get back. <laughs> There's still people who are very happy to see that you're having a good time as well. And then that's a healthy, yeah, that's yeah, a healthy yeah, 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 yeah. mentality when you see. I would also digital detox. If you're if Instagram and Facebook are stressing you out, take a break. Stop going on Instagram for a few days or weeks. Yeah, I, I just I just mentioned this in uh, uh, another episode that we went uh, we spent five days on the Gulangyu Island in Salmon, mm -hmm. and because we have to shoot, we actually spent a lot less time with our digital devices. Mm -hmm. And man, it just feels amazing to be a normal, just regular person, yeah, like a like a human being that just fits in this on Earth <laughs> in this world. Yeah. The 80s were amazing. You, we just used to run around in the streets. I mean, adults and kids just running around the streets, like throwing balls, yeah. and, like fr frisbees <laughs> and stuff. It was the glory days of civilization. I agree. And then I was born in that glory, <laughs> in those glories. <laughs> yeah. OK, so uh, the fifth pillar, deepening knowledge, urging stakeholders such as officials, policymakers, healthcare providers and researchers to collaborate on a research agenda to address gaps in the data. So I guess they mean mm. we don't know. Fix it. Uh, make more things we don't know <laughs> yeah i i have mixed feelings about this pillar i mean of course there's always good that people need to do more research but sometimes just wonder whether we have made you know kind of we, ha we have started to 
desensitize pathological um, situations yeah. like mm. illness with just normal human emotions. Yeah. I just kind of hate for people to just throw words around like, oh, I have depression or, oh, I have a bipolar. Um, I'm bipolar right. or I have social disorder, social anxiety disorder. These are all names of, right. you know, clinical mental illness or, or psychological um, illness. These are things that people experience, mm -hmm. which hinders them from having their normal life where we are just going through like for even you're feeling yeah. this for a whole day. It's still a moment in like an episode in your overall pretty normal life. So I hope, well, you know, I agree with you and I don't agree with you because mm -hmm. I think like a lot of us, like people like you and me might be like, oh, I feel depressed or whatever. Mm -hmm. But maybe one out of 10 or one out of five people are, you know, painful cry for help. And like they actually do need some kind of therapy that's being unmet. So it's difficult because we all use the same words and some of us use them very cavalierly. Exactly. And I don't think you have to necessarily be clinically diagnosed to be like really reaching out saying, help me. So it's hard to tell, is this person just using those words or mm. does that person really legitimately need some kind of help? And I don't want to be one of the people to be like, ha ha ha, you don't have depression because that person in America could turn around the next day and just of go course. nuts and do something, you know, that makes the news. So I think if someone says that they are seriously I, yeah. depressed and needs help in America, I'm not talking about everywhere in the world, but in America, uh, because of the the kind of th mm. news that is coming out of America, the dangerous events that have been taking place there, that we should take that seriously at least and try to connect them with therapy and try to offer them some kind of solution within our our limits. Because each of us, we have our own life too. Yeah. But if you can find some way to maybe offer that person an olive branch of help or some direction or some kind yeah. of self-help group they can go to or some kind of club or a hobby or whatever, that might be the thing that changes mm. their life forever. You I mean, you may not even know that you change that person's life forever because we don't know what could have happened. But I definitely think we need to be giving some degree yeah. of seriousness when some people say, oh, I'm depressed. Like, it seems like, oh, yeah, I say that too. But maybe this person really is depressed. Yeah. And if you do have, for example, I do have friends who are suffering from really severe depression to a point of suicide, uh, like having suicidal thoughts. Um, you know, when, when I know that there are my friends that are going through these really unfortunate situations, then I'll be very careful to just go around and be like, oh my God, I feel so depressed. I'd be like, I'll actually describe what right, I went right. through to people. If I do need just my, uh, friend's support because I had a bad day or whatever, then I'll describe my day. You know, I'll describe my feeling. I'll even describe my revenge plans, but you know, I would be careful to just you know, start using. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Yes. Don't cross Do me. Not slight Alex, guys. <laughs> but, you know, I would be very careful just throwing these kind of uh, uh, mental health terms around too casually. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. If you are like Alex and Jason and you're mostly well adjusted, you should probably discontinue using terms which might uh, prevent other people from getting the help that they need.
Exactly. But I do love the fact that they're studying further. But I also want people to know that a lot of us, as long as you could open up to people around you, uh, as long as you are willing to get some sort of help, it'll probably be over or it'll probably pass or you will feel better one way or another. And just don't ever feel like it's something that's never going to leave you. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important for people who are suffering from like serious self-harm issues that they want help, they should seek help. And so I am found some self-help hotlines. This is in China. This is if you are, uh, con- mm. this is in Beijing. If you're considering harming yourself, please call 010-8295-1332. And they can offer some assistance to you. Mm. Um, I'm looking for America, but I'm having a challenging mm. time. There's so many countries here. I guess there there are based on what I'm finding here every country has self-help hotlines. This is for the UK. You can call 0800-068-4141 yeah. or you can text 0786-003-9967. The United States, you can call 911 if you believe it's an emergency. If you are a veteran, you can call 1-800-273-8255 and you can also Text the crisis text line, text home to 741 741, and they can offer you assistance. So, yeah, if you are really seriously in a position where you think that you might harm yourself, don't and reach out for some help. And, you know, in a few months or years, you know, Mm. you might, you never know, you might be living the best life you could have ever imagined. Exactly. Give yourself a lot of chances, please. listening to The Bridge. They're the final pillar. And I think this is the only pillar that really make the first pillar where it's like go to the libraries and stuff. Yeah. And this final <laughs> pillar are the only ones that make a lot of sense to me is they're really sensical. Uh, urges a cultural connection in which Americans cultivate values of kindness, respect, service, and commitment to one another. So mm. I think a lot of us get cavalier about just being like whatever and not showing etiquette to one another in society. And the reality mm. is a smile and like a see you later oh my God. is can make someone's the day sometimes. Yes. Yes. I totally agree. And I try to do that. Like I try to, I have this weird, I think deep down I'm kind of dark in terms of how I look at things. <laughs> I would like if someone who's looking just bland or even a little bit angry or this person shows any sign of negative uh, emotion on their face if we meet eyes Mm. i would smile because i would think that after seeing that smile maybe he's not gonna at least he's not gonna feel that bad i'm not saying he's gonna do something that 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 disturbs um peace Mm. or whatever but um i feel like if i could smile to him maybe he'll feel different a little bit you know i want to tell a story but before i get to this story which goes exactly to what you're talking about Mm. i just want to say you know thank you is an underused i completely agree i get out of a taxi i get out of a dd i say thank you i go it's like just courtesy or if i see the security guard from my building in the morning he's usually playing with his phone but i'll always be like and smile like i think that is something critical to the, the society needs 
absolutely and, and, and love between people who don't even really know each other. Yeah. But I want to go to a story. I was in an airport. I'm not going to say which country, what context, because I don't want people to get weird and inflammatory. Okay. But I was in an airport and someone saw me and they didn't like me just based on the way Jason's fat American face looks. I don't oh, know what horrible. it was. But he, he, he looked at me and he made a spitting gesture on the ground. What? And then when I... I smiled at him. Really big, beaming, honest, I let's be friends smile. And he did it again and again. And so I just kept smiling and I went about my life. Mm. Later, he boarded the same plane as me. Oh, God. And he saw me in the aisle and I smiled. I was still smiling. I don't know. I'm just a goofball. I don't know why. <laughs> but he looked at me and he, he saw me smiling and I could see he melted and he had a little smile too. And then we went, both went about our lives and never saw this guy again. But wow. that first smile melted this guy. And the second time he saw me smiling, he smiled too. And it was an honest, like, okay, let's, let's just, he was kind of like, you know, the disarming smile. Okay. You win your smile won. I could see that my micro expressions crushed him and made him happy. That's something you can do. You're having a confrontation, you know, don't care mm -hmm. in someone just smile and say, Hey, okay, well, you know, this isn't working out. Let's just see if we can find a solution that works instead of, can I see your manager? <laughs> like there's other ways to solve problems, you know? That's true. That's true. You know, the other day the delivery person uh, delivered a wrong order to my door, but I didn't know because it was in the paperback and I, I tore the paperback open and then I call him and say, hey, um, you've delivered a wrong one. Can you come and get it? So he came up, mm -hmm. but I already tore open the 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 paperback. And I was like, if I was the person that was supposed to receive this uh order i would be very unhappy because my back has been opened by somebody else and then that mm. person will probably give this delivery guy a hard time so i just took a piece of paper and i wrote down i said hey next customer it was our backs were mixed up and i only opened the paper bag i didn't touch the food inside i just wanted to let you know uh, thank you from the last customer. So I gave it to the delivery guy. I said, hey, please give this to the next customer so that he or she doesn't give you a hard time. And I think that just small mm. gestures like that, it really helps. But, but, you know, to the story that you just told, it's, I mean, first off, don't judge people. Don't judge people, mm. period. Don't judge people by the way they look or, you know, um, the way they carry themselves. Or at least don't do anything aggressive or towards that person. Nobody really deserves that unless they started to hurt or disturb you. But I saw this really amazing video just earlier today. And it was this middle school teacher in China that was trying to teach her student how to not care about what other people think about you. And she did a very interesting little demonstration. She calls up on stage one of her students hmm. and this teacher for herself, you know, she's a little on the chubbier side and she tells her student, she says, OK, so your teacher, me, I'm 75 kilograms. That's my weight. OK. And what do you think that is? Or what do you think I am? Do you think I'm fat or do you think I'm thin? Mm -hmm. And the student says, well, I think you're a fat. And of course, these are just kids. They're not, you know, trying to be insulting and they're doing a demonstration. And so she's like, oh, the student says, I think you're a fact. Right. Yeah, and then the honest. teacher says to the whole class, she says, okay, now answer me this question, guys. When she says she thinks I am fat, is this an opinion or a fact? And the students think about it and they say, 
oh, it's an opinion. She's like, exactly. Because what is the fact here? The fact is I'm 75 kilograms, right? So your opinion is that I am fat, but opinions can be different. Everybody could have different opinions because it's subjective. Mm. I think I'm not fat enough, but the fact is I'm uh, 75 kilograms. So should I be upset about the opinions because it's yours? And the student think, and they go, no. She's like, exactly. Most of the time when we have arguments with other people, it's because we're speaking of opinions. We're not speaking of facts. So if I ask you, she turns to the student, she says, let me ask you another question now. She says, hi, I am 75 kilograms in weight. And the, students, the student looks at her and couldn't say anything. And she said, see, it's very unlikely that we're going to fight over facts. So whatever people tell you, it's their subjective opinion. And my subjective opinion is I don't have to be upset over other people's subjective opinions. And the student's like, oh, okay, we understand. And I just watched that video and I was thinking, what a wonderful teacher to teach these young kids to know how to separate opinions from facts and know uh, when they get riled up, when they get worked up, seeing other people's comments online or hearing things people say to them, to have a second to think, is this an opinion that I can allow to upset me? Not. No, because it's not a fact. I think if kids could have that kind of training or help from teachers like this, it'll probably help with their overall uh, mental health situation. I mean, I completely agree with you. I also think we should probably teach our own kids or at least our family members that people in our own circles not to say things that might be construed as negative about other mm, people. Of course. So I think this last piece of advice in the article I, I highlighted, it's not from the certain general, it's from the author of the CNN article. Mm. And they wrote, Americans might take time out of each day to connect with a friend or family member. Yeah. And they also mentions cut back on harmful social media use and spend time and don't spend time in unhealthy relationships. So I think all the, those three things are important. It's One, hard. It's hard. Let's all yeah. be courteous to each other as much as possible. Number two, I mean, I also agree with what mm. you said. Uh, you know, don't take what other people oh say my God, as yes. something that should impact you negatively. I You're know like, a lot of people. Oh, I think that person looked at me like weird. You, they do the Alex Sure thing. They go home and they yeah. open a cold Coca-Cola or whatever yeah. it is. And they think about all the things that everyone said and everything that they said to everyone. And they over-examine it and over-examine it. And exactly. Stop doing that. <laughs> and number three is, you know, if someone in your life isn't kind, don't spend time with them. You know, if you have a friend who's a jerk, then that person shouldn't be your friend anymore. Make better friends. Yeah, exactly. If you spend time with them, you're like, oh, I don't know why she did that or why he said that to me. Don't be friends. You know, I would like to offer some advice for to a different group of people who may be listening. Other Jasons. So there are a lot of Jasons out there. And that means when I'm talking to people who are not afraid of being social, all of the other people who really don't care when they're in a social environment, what goes on, you know, I've showed up at, I showed up at a banquet with the Star Wars helmet. Wow. And then I got offered me a trophy and I had to go on stage and I kept my Star Wars helmet on and I just raised my hands and mm. the entire audience started cheering. So like if sometimes if you're a total idiot, people love that, by the way. So all the other people who are not afraid of being social. Mm. Hey, when you see someone that looks like they need a friend, go up and talk to them, you know, make a friend and be kind and be kind to them. Welcome them to other people. Introduce them around. 
uh, those of us who are capable of shepherding a little bit, mm. we should be leading the sheep to better, greener pastures. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, though, about shukong within the Chinese context, because I don't really understand. I think, you know, mm. tell me if I'm wrong. I'm going to tell you my opinion and tell me all the things that I get erroneous. Chinese, a lot of Chinese kids, in my opinion, they spend their entire mm. life up to 17 years old preparing for the gaokao. So they don't get as <laughs> much socializing time as they would like to because they're in math uh. class and they're in English class and they're in like, I don't know, fencing class trying to win a trophy yeah. so they can get into the best high school in Beijing or Shanghai or whatever. And then they go, then they finally get into a prestigious university <laughs> and they spend three or four years smashing it out, trying to get into a doctorate program. Finally, they enter the workforce and for the mm. first time in their life, they're supposed to have friends and they don't know how to make them. Did I, did I get that wrong? What, what parts am I missing, Alex? I think the friendship that we form when we're in, when we're busy preparing for Gaoka and stuff is different. Videos on Douyin or hmm. on WeChat channels, you see these compilations of videos taken in high schools and that kind of friendship or that you know the budding little romantic feelings you have with your desk mate and stuff those are the things that are very precious to a lot of yeah it's it's very pure yeah it's very pure it's very innocent and it's very <laughs> wow. precious it's something that yeah. you don't have even it's like a Chinese like once movie. you get into college that disappears like you don't have it anymore so the 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 friend circle that we have, and you might not think this way. You might think you need to make friends from like doing extracurricular activities over an extensive amount of time. For Chinese kids, though, all we need is PE class and class breaks. Like, because mm. we have, we stay in school for a relatively longer time than maybe American kids. And then between every class, there's at least 10 mm. minutes. They're either going to go play some quick game outside, or you're going to go get hot water together, or you're going to mm. go to the bathroom together. Because we like to just, we, we're just very, you know, people rarely act alone when they're in high school or even junior high school, if you go see them, they already have that connection. If there mm. is one kid that's always alone, then it, mm. it's actually up to the, you know, the teacher or the school counselor should notice that this person, this kid is not having as much social engagement with the rest of the student group. And they should pay a little more attention and encourage this person mm. to also be part of the group. Other than that, like everybody in Chinese high schools actually find a million ways to connect <laughs> with each other. It's just that once you're in a college, it's kind of, your social style became mm -hmm. this adult social style. Like mm -hmm. you can't just be like, oh, let's go to bathroom together. Or, you know. <laughs> well, I, I don't, I see that's exactly how I am as an adult. That's <laughs> why I get a, I'm so happy. I'm like, yeah. hey, I'm going to the bathroom, guys. Yeah. Bye. Like, hey, come to the bathroom with me. Let's hold hands and go so to the bathroom. Maybe I just didn't grow up. <laughs> yeah. You know what? If you could say that, that's a really, really good. That's a really good thing. Um, if you say I got it from my brother, Robert, who's going to probably listen to this episode. He used to be that guy who would do everything you're not supposed to do. Yeah. So he kind of taught me not to care. So I have to thank my brother, Robert, who basically taught me that just do whatever you want to do all the time, as long as you're being cool to other people. We're out of time. Alex, mm. I thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time. And thank you so much for your time, Alex. Thank you, Jason. And everybody stay happy. Stay happy.